All right, welcome back to the It's Not So Late show with Aaron Hanania, and we are joined today by John Class of Galaxy Family. Thank you so much for joining me here today, John. Yeah, I totally do. Glad to be here. Uh, and my first question for you is Galaxy Family. I really like the name. Where did you get that name from? It was something that I had thought of um, uh, when I was kind of like writing the music. Uh, it's like the original project was a lot about kind of um, some existentialism um, and then just the, the pains of family and um, the different stages of that. And so I kind of thought about like continuum of space and time and um, that kind of aspect of existentialism and then also just family and, and what that looks like. And so um, it just kind of felt like something, I know that sounds like really kind of trite when I say it now, but that's kind of, that's kind of the backstory with it. it it's just something kind of universal um, but also a little bit familial there too. So um, that's kind of the story behind that. I like that. So you're talking about existentialism and family. So does that play a role in some of your music or even in things you do day to day? Yeah, I mean, like, and I like specifically when I wrote that album, um, I was like recently married and, and kind of like figuring that out and uh, like what that looks like managing those expectations. And um, it's it's awesome. It's just, you know, it, it like like any relationship, it takes effort and and um, uh, communication and so um and i think also during that time kind of really you know moving out of a house with some friends and in my in with my wife and then um just kind of like tearing down some of my own um i guess uh world views and or or just reimagining them from from where I, when i grew up and uh figuring that out so i don't know i tend to i tend to approach a lot of things in, in that way of just um well you know what does this mean in the context of my lifetime and the lifetime of others so um pull it from my teeth is kind of uh quite a bit about just feeling um uh feeling like almost guilty for for being the way that i am uh and 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 wanting to do music full-time mm -hmm. and so um yeah, just like, like that affects the people around me. And, and that's a risk, you know, that I was taking at the time as well. So that's definitely about that song. And there's lots of other um, existentialism on that first record. And then, and then this new single is, is definitely about like more specifically, like starting a family or a relationship and how uh, our own experiences can kind of affect how we think about that. So, yeah. I like that. So you, I, I take it that you get an idea and then you write. So was that the writing process you had with songs like Pull It From My Teeth and things of that nature? Uh, maybe talk a little bit about what goes into writing a song or how do you get inspired to write maybe that song or just in general when you're songwriting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it kind of it kind of goes a couple ways. I don't think there's like any right way to necessarily write a song for me. It And especially with that project, it, it really did come down to like something I was feeling or or just a thought I had. Um, an emotion that I was feeling and maybe just like trying to figure out like uh, just kind of you know some way to express that and so usually that does like have like a there's here's this like formed idea this kind of um, end goal that I'm or this thing I'm trying to talk about um, and then um, and then just starting to try to like say something about it which is the hardest part for me um, I, 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 I write a lot of like arrange and, and, and mix a lot of music <clears throat> And that kind of comes more like naturally to me than I think writing the lyrics. And so it takes a lot of intention for me. Some people just have this gift where they can just like sit down for 15 minutes and just have something. And it, it I really kind of tend to, 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 to agonize over it a bit. Um, so, uh, so yeah. 
So when you're in agony, um, <laughs> yeah. Do you? Is it more so that you get? Do you go into it knowing what you want sound-wise? Because for example, like pulling with my teeth in your new album, I'd say it's more a little bit more ambient. You know, there's a lot of different sounds. You know, it's not like very instrumental. It's more so ambient. So going into a song, do you kind of have like I want this type of sound or I want that type of sound, and then you try to make it happen? I sometimes, yeah, it, uh, because and again, like it, it's not it's not always the same way for every song. And so for some things, it's like, oh, yes, like, man, I know I want it to sound like this. And maybe I'll even get some of the music down before I really get much of any of the words at all. Like with Pull It From My Teeth, I remember that song in particular started off completely instrumental. All the instrumentation of that was done before the, the actual song was written. Because <clears throat> when I was because when I did that, I was just kind of messing around with sounds. <laughs> and then I'm like, man, I've got, I feel like I have something to say here. And that was the first song that I wrote and recorded for that for that EP. And it turned into that EP. And um, but yeah, that 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 song started off completely instrumental. Mm -hmm. And then and then I put the then I wrote everything to it afterwards. But then other stuff on the album, um, I definitely wrote I definitely wrote the lyrics first and, and kind of had like a, a vision for that before I even had like a vision for the sound. So it really kind of depends. I tend to find that along the way, though. I don't I usually don't finish writing a song without having some kind of end goal in mind. Um, but that's just me. I like that, you know, and with musicians, it's always different. So it's interesting to hear about like the writing process. I know for myself, I kind of just go in, I make a progression and then I do lyrics. So do you do it in that way? Or do you pre-write the lyrics and then you find the progression? Or are you like on the piano or on your instrument? Like, oh, I kind of like this. And then you kind of like hum. And then, you know, sometimes things come naturally. Does that ever happen in your- Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and honestly, that probably happens more often than, than me finishing something first. Like, yeah, like it's because, because that my brain naturally goes to like the arrangement and like the sounds of it first. So as I'm singing something or as I'm thinking of a lyric, uh, it, it usually comes along with, with like a chord structure even. Like that's like, that's, that's pretty like, uh, that's, that's pretty like first base for me. It's just having something like that down um, not always, but, but yeah, because, because that's just kind of where my mind naturally goes. A lot of people, when they listen to songs, they listen to the lyrics first. Mm -hmm. I listen to lyrics last. I'm very much like, what's like, what are the, what's the instrumentation doing? Do I like the production? And then I'm like, okay, what's this singer actually trying to say here? So, um, so I feel like the chord structure really happens along with, with, with the lyrics there for sure. That's interesting. Now, do you have any bands or musicians or artists that you're inspired by or that you kind of strive to achieve a similar sound of? I don't, I, you know, that's always like a, that's a really hard self-reflective question. I think everyone kind of uh, has their own way of answering it. I think, uh, I feel like I have a sound that I generally end up at more than I shoot for. It's just kind of like one of those things that naturally kind of progresses there anyway. And I mean, people that I, I think that I like, uh, I would say I, I really idolize. Um, um, uh, Boney Bear is one of the, um, not that my music sounds anything like his, but he definitely has a way with playing with instruments that I really love. Um, Death Cab for Cutie, um, Now Now. I really love anything new that free, or anything that Phoebe Bridgers has done. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. So like, I feel like, um, but then I I also really enjoy um, a lot of like pop stuff and and um, the Japanese house is amazing and she and she's just done that really accessible but also like really like kind of interesting sound stuff too but um yeah so uh, i i feel like those people certainly influence that and they all kind of have that like a lot of them existential lyrics but also like <clears throat> ambience with accessibility and um i feel like i kind of end up there somewhere
I really like that. And speaking of end journey, I want to kind of backtrack a little bit. So your song Call For My Teeth, I know you released it a couple of years ago. So why don't you tell me when you released it and then how did it become known? Because I, I believe it was on TikTok or uh, social media. You got to tell me the story about how you got to be right here now. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that song, that song kind of came about because I was just like, you know, just feeling a lot of different things and, and felt like I had something to say. And then I'm like, oh, I should do an EP. And by the end of the, like, by the time I was done um, recording that and 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 mixing that <laughs> that EP, I really kind of loathed it. I was just like, I just like, I didn't like, I, you know, I, I didn't feel confident about it. Um, I never really thought of myself as as much of a singer or songwriter, and so I was kind of, I was honestly pretty self conscious about it. And and I'm like, I'm glad I did it, uh, uh, but I'm also glad it's done. <laughs> so uh, so I released it on this site called Noise Trade which was just a way to like release, you know, music. And, and I don't even know if noise trade is actively doing stuff much anymore, but um, it was a way to just release music that people could download for free. You got an email address, um, but I just put it out there. And mostly it was just like friends and family who, um, who listened to it. And that was fine. I was good. I did it. It was fine. But um, along the way, I had a friend who worked at this company that did, um, they did uh, like Bluetooth speakers. And so, um, he knew that I produced records for other artists and he's like, Hey, do you have any artists that might want to like license their song for, it's like a 30 second clip that we use for a demo. We need a couple of these for, for, for these Bluetooth speakers that are going, you know, out across the nation. And I remember it paid like 300 bucks and I'm like, I could use $300. So I said, Hey, I just finished this song. Would you consider, would you consider using this song? And, and they really liked it and they put it on the front. They put it as the first song in the demo, and that was it, man. It just it just stuck. It stayed there, um, unbeknownst to me. Um, this guy Ben Jacobs, um, who has since become a friend of mine since the, all of this happened, he he found that this back in 2016. He found that song in a Bed Bath and Beyond on that speaker. Wow. He liked the he liked the lights. He he, he clicked it, and he's just like, oh man, I dig this song, and he and he took a video on his phone. And he could never find it because I hadn't released it anywhere. You couldn't Shazam it. You couldn't find it anywhere. There's not no streaming services, wow. nothing. So um, it just sat on his phone for four years, which is just wild to me. And then he he get, he garnered a, a significant TikTok following, several hundred thousand followers. And um, and then one day last December, he posted that video that was four years old and said, hey, and just said, one day I'll find this artist. One day I'll find who this song is because it, it meant something to him. And, um, uh, and the, just, the, the song just like blew up and like there was discord servers made for it. Oh my God. There were, um, yeah, there was like a thread on Reddit about it. And people were just looking all over the internet. They called Bed Bath and Beyond. They called <laughs> all these distributors for that stuff. Yeah. It was wild to me. I, and like, this is like, this all happened over the course of like 24 hours. And I had no idea I had TikTok. But I used it for like, you know, comedy pages that I thought were hilarious and then like cocktail recipes. So like it was very it was very from a like a viewer's perspective, not a, not a not a participator. So right. but my friend Chris then um, he uh, my friend Chris said, like texted me and he's like, hey, man, your song's blowing up on TikTok. And I thought that he meant like somebody that I had worked with because I work with lots of different songwriters and bands making their records. And so I'm like, great. Like, which one? He's like, your song. I'm like, I don't have any songs. <laughs> he's like, no, like the one that you the one that you put on the speaker five years ago. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's just check it out. He sent me the link. And I was just like, I was just like, 
I almost had an anxiety attack. It was just so much because the, because the video had like a million hits. And then like people started sending me messages on Facebook, on my Facebook page, because they had figured it out finally that it was me. And like, that was the only place that galaxy family was listed. So yeah. So then that was kind of, that was kind of the whole thing. That was it is, is, is that one thing happened. And then I posted a video on, on TikTok and, and got all this kind of, you know, overnight, got like 12,000 followers on TikTok. You know how that is though. It's super oh, yeah. fickle and it's just, you know, the attention is not, you know, nearly what it was, but that's fine. Um, Cause it kind of kickstarted this whole thing. And um, uh, I released the, I released the song and the EP the next day uh, just because so many people were asking for it. And um, literally today, like it, 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 it just hit over 300,000 uh, wow. uh, streams on Spotify. So, and that was three months ago, like basically to the day. So it's, it's, that's kind of how that whole thing came about. I'm, I'm, I'm floored, but now, now I'm just like, all right, this is a great opportunity for me to, for me to keep doing music. So I like that. So I know you're telling me you mix bands and that I want to go to that in a minute, but performing wise, do you do a lot of live performances? Obviously COVID-19 happened. So live is more so virtual performances. So did you used to do a lot of live performances? And if you did, what was your favorite part about being on stage? I've gotten I've gotten the I've gotten the opportunity to play some like really awesome places and tour in some pretty cool spaces and um, uh, I love it and I miss it honestly that's been the hardest thing about like this whole year is just like not having to not having any of that um, because I love it it's I, it's it's really nice for me to get like a change of pace right. um, just mentally and um, and I, when I toured it wasn't for like you know I wasn't touring for like ten months out of the year or anything like that it was it was maybe. <clears throat> maybe 30 dates total a year. So like total time away from home was rarely more than a month and a half, you know, six weeks total. So um, it was nice to be able to like get out and like be refreshed and to like get some of that like energy from like, from playing. And I'm, I'm a keyboard player mostly. And so it, yeah, just being able to play the instrument and in front of, in front of people. And, um, and I like being on the road a lot too. I love traveling. I like flying and and, and being in cars and stuff and you know so uh that that certainly is and that's something now that i i would love to if if it made sense to do with galaxy family i would love to do something like that uh whether the opportunity presents itself or not we'll see but um either way i i fully plan on doing some touring with either with that or with with, with playing with other people um because i'm fortunate to know a lot of really great musicians so um yeah that's definitely something i plan to do and something i miss a lot for sure I like that. Now, since you've been, you've gone around, do you have you know, like a favorite city or a favorite moment, you know, when that, like if like years from now, you'll be able to recall and like tell you, it's like a story that like if like, your kids ask one day, like, oh, tell me a story like that. This is the story you're going to tell. Uh, dude, I had the opportunity to play at Red Rocks a couple of years ago oh. um, in front of like 10,000 people. And that was pretty insane. Like I, I it, and it, what was crazy too, is that like, it was, it was such like uh, with that kind of show, you're moving so quickly in between like sets too. So like, just like tearing stuff down from the previous group, but then like you know, and then getting yourself on, um, and and getting that rolling. And um, and like I just remember like one of the cables that like the venue had, oh. the guys who were working that particular show, like a couple of them, just like I don't know. I was I was kind of frustrated because it didn't seem like they cared too much or they just didn't like know what they were doing a little bit. <laughs> so there was like there's a couple things where I was just like there was like the direct box that I was using for the keyboard was like mm -hmm. making noise and they're cool. just like we can't figure it out we're like switching out the cables I'm like have you checked have you checked like the ground lift on there they're just like no look, it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine so then I just went over there and lifted the ground on the on the on the thing they're like it's gone I'm like yeah 
you didn't lift the ground. It was it was a bit frustrating in the moment because it was like we had like two minutes to get right. to like transition. It was so fast. So that was pretty exhilarating. I like that. Um, now, my quick question for you is, were you opening for somebody in that one or is it like a music festival where there's like five or six people using the stage over the like course of the night type of thing? Yeah, we were opening for somebody. So um, that was like, so that's pro also why it was, um, that's also, and that's circumstance. That's also why it was uh, pretty, pretty quick to get on and off there. The other the other couple places I'm a big fan of, like the the House of Blues, um, I got to play a couple of those different venues, um, Chicago and Anaheim and, and uh, Cleveland and Chicago House of Blues is really near and dear to me. I, I just love that venue a lot. And so um, I've played there, I think, two or three times. And it's just such a it's just like a really historic venue. And so, um, yeah, it's just I, it's and I, I'm Chicago, such a cool city, too. So um playing there i'm trying to think of like something specific that i remember okay so we were playing with this is here's a story because we were playing that we were playing the house of blues show in anaheim and it so it was at the time it was relatively like new at like they'd redone the venue and there was probably like 13 1400 people there and uh the we this was like the fourth day of this tour it was the last day of this like mini kind of california tour that we were doing this this guy that i played for and um like luckily it was the second to the last song but we had rented this like van and like the suspension was just awful on this thing that we were like traveling around in and like it just was shaking the entire trip and like the last the second to last song the keyboard just froze it just like it just like I was, it was an organ patch and it just just stayed i couldn't change any more notes it was just playing the same note the same chord that i was playing the entire time no. i had to like shut it down oh it was awful like i restarted it five times and it just it never it never it never worked and i took it home and it it didn't act up again but then i i opened it up and i did a little bit of work on it and i sold it because i'm just like i gotta get a new one here i can't risk it so but that was pretty that was pretty horrifying because it was just like all right here's this like you know, three thousand dollar keyboard that just broke in front of 1,400 people. So, it wasn't super fun. <laughs> the dynamic about performing live, since I know like, you and I are musicians, so we can understand it. But I want to talk like, for the people who aren't musicians. Is there a dynamic that goes into either somewhere like a large venue like Red Rocks or a smaller venue like Hustle Blues that you think that the general public doesn't necessarily realize? Because I know, and the people who are not in the music industry who I've talked to, they don't realize what goes into you know getting on stage. They're not just up there playing guitars. There's all these things that go into to you know a show so maybe talk about that if you can for a little bit absolutely so i mean um uh touring can be like the most fun and it can be like the least fun as well it's like it's super unsexy sometimes the worst thing is like when you're on the road and you're sick it's terrible like i like i remember we we were we were on the road and like everybody in the everybody in the group got like super mega sick we all got so like playing like an, an hour and a half show when you have like 102 fever is like the least fun ever so that's like that alone like when that happens that's it's a, terrible it's the plus, last thing you want to do and plus it'll be like 110 degrees in the room so you're like your temperature is now like 150 degrees because they have 500 people in the room zone for like 250 you know? oh yeah and your sleep schedule's all off and so it's just like sometimes <laughs> you don't get very much sleep and like that particular tour we are on a bus and sometimes that's not easy to sleep on a bus either and so it was just like it was terrible it was terrible um but then like i mean like thinking about like yeah like you said there's a lot to set up uh, and so um um you know whether you're just playing acoustic or if you're playing acoustic it's a lot simpler but if you've got a full band 
and you've got like an in-ear system and you're monitoring and you're routing, yeah. you know, you're routing cable upon cable upon cable because you need to be able to hear everybody and create your own mix, but then you have to be able to send stuff to your front of house engineer. Right. I mean, we're, you know, you get there and like, you know, on that, you know, in, in those cases, you're getting into the, the venue several hours, oh, sometimes, yeah. sometimes six, eight, 10 hours before you actually go on, uh, depending on how many people are playing ahead of you. Right. Um, so it's just like that part of it. It's a lot of like, it's hours of work, not only just like playing or like getting the setting up, but like rehearsing for like, you know, something it's hours of work before, you know, and then you're playing, like, if you're headlining, maybe you're playing a couple hours. And if you're opening, you're playing like 45 you know, 20. Yeah. yeah. If that, if, if you're, you're lucky. lucky so, yeah. so that, that part of it is, is, and then dealing with like new people every day, because there's new people in, in the, whatever venue you're playing and, and one get one, one day, but the, the, the guys at the venue might be like uh, super cool. And uh, the next day, whoever's there might be it, just really hard to work with. So like having some people skills to be able to like, just yeah. like meet those expectations or, or, and also to feel like you're being listened to, you know, so. Man, it's hard to, cause you gotta deal with those people. You know, I have plenty yeah. of stories too, you know, where they, they're unexperienced or they're like a new crew and they, they have no clue what they're doing or like their sound guy's not there and you're, then you have to try to figure it out. I'm like, I don't know. There, there's just so much. It's like a whole process with technology. You have to be like on top of your game and things are constantly changing, you know? And I just think that like, you probably know, you know? So how do you, when you perform live, since your music, um, it's, you know, it's, it seems like it's very complicated. It's not just, you know, you're not just with a guitar or just a piano in your voice, like some are, you got a lot going. So how do you do that live? Do you have like looping machines? Do you have, you know, tracks that you play to? How do you do it? So, uh, I like, because all of this stuff has like with galaxy family has really happened in the last three months, which is all during like COVID time. Okay. Uh, I've never played any galaxy family music live. Never. Oh, not. Okay. Mm -mm, mm -mm, because after I released the record back in like originally on noise trade in 2016, I don't even remember. Um, I just buried it, man. I, like I never played a show. I didn't do a release. I'm like, it's out. And then I was it, I was done with it. Um, and so, but then, so this has come about in the last three months, okay. you know, it was just, it was just buried for five years. Yeah, so this came out, were you playing yeah. with another band then sorry to cut you off so were you playing with someone else then yeah yeah so i played for the last five years for for a guy named josh Gerrells, and that and that's been kind of like the majority of my tour experience um uh you know i've played with i've played with other people along the way just you know as a gun for hire okay. for all of that so um but that's been but most of that but yeah i mean like all of that is like where we've got tracks but then we've also got like obviously like you know uh, in that case it was usually like drums bass guitar keys and then he he would sing and play acoustic and then and then for some tours, we we take out like a you know a couple string players and, and other vo extra vocalists or something like that too. So it's a it's a lot of logistics um, to get that rolling. And uh, to, so like, did you have like a, it, a tour that or a city that you just like wouldn't want to go back to again? You know that like maybe I have to tell you like where you're just like it's like an unlucky city just because like everything goes wrong. You know because I feel like every musician has that one place where they, or that one venue where they, every time they go something bad happens it just never goes according to plan. I'm trying to there's there's one venue in Florida that was just like really like it was cool it had like a lot of character this independent venue but like they're like uh like half their amps for their sound system weren't working and then like the monitoring system was like all like it was ancient and like half the channels didn't work and so you're having to like cross patch a bunch of different things that was not fun at all and then you're like trying to like you're trying to also like sound check and then like get your openers in there to sound check as well and um 
that was like luckily luckily i feel like i didn't have like one particular place where like everything just went wrong so just random occurrences um where stuff just happened or like people were, were just difficult to deal with um but again like usually like you know for, fortunately when like when you're if you as the musician are treating the the people there who work who usually work very very hard right. um uh, usually um <laughs> uh, if you're treating them with respect they they tend to do the same for you so if you can be like low-key if you can be easy to work with if you can be you know not a diva about stuff uh your whole experience is going to be better uh it, it's good to, it's good to like be like hey we need this but if you can do that in a respectful manner your whole your whole experience is going to be better your show is going to go better the people are going to treat you better um and and you'll be invited back you know that's that's, that's what we want and speaking of being invited back now moving forward once this pandemic ends do you want to go on into tour as galaxy family play some of these songs now that you know that you had put away for years and now like here i am absolutely um I'm kind of like, you know, I, I feel like I'm still kind of in the the building phase of of Galaxy Family. That one song has done like a ton for me. Um, but but like anything with like I feel like TikTok or, or just like any kind of viral thing, the nature of those things is that they're all flash and tons of it for like, you know, a week. Right. And then it's like nothing. Then then the next thing's already happened. Yeah. So that was kind of the spark. I feel like that got things started. Uh, or, or, or restarted, I should say. And then, um, so now I'm just trying to like, try to slowly like build that back up and, and get some more engagement, which is why I'm really happy to do things like this, be talking with yeah. you because I want people to know that, that I, I, uh, I care about this and, and hopefully that they can find something uh, meaningful about it too, because I feel like that's how you build like long-term engagement with people. We all want to connect uh, with with our favorite artists and um, I, I hope to be able to connect with people over the years. So it's, uh, but to answer your question, yes, I would love to do, I would love to do some touring. I would love to see what that looks like. Um, I think I'm still, you know, at least uh, several months away from even considering something like that, um, especially given the state of the world, but like, you know, vaccines are on the way. And so um, I, I feel like, I feel like that, that hopefully that, that page turns sooner than later. Um, we'll just have to see. I like that. So you're talking about engagement now in the music industry. I think that's a really important part about the music, right? So you have the music, you have the live venues, but then you have like the interaction of um, artists and their fans. And sometimes I feel like there's a lack of that when there's more famous artists, obviously the smaller artists, you know, they interact after the show, but like bigger artists. So like down the road, how do you want to try to encourage interaction or how to have interaction with your audience? Absolutely. Um, that's a good question. How, like, and how, you know, and posing that to like, to people who are who are further along than myself, um, uh, and people who who are you know have built their their artistry um, to a bigger standpoint, um, that, that's an interesting question. And I feel like, like anything, any organization or anything that gets bigger and bigger, you know, like once you're out of the startup phase, like your your day to day like interaction with everybody uh, becomes more and more removed. And so, yeah, how how do I like maintain that kind of that kind of connection with people, I think it's just like trying, trying to listen and, and trying to, and, and just it, I guess, you know, what? I, I think just making the best, most honest work that I can, mm -hmm. I, like that's because that's what people are listening to, mm -hmm. um, like social media and, and email lists and, 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 um, and concerts, you know, that's, that's certainly like a, a, a more connected way, maybe a more visceral way of certainly to connect with people, but, but it's all based around the art. 
And so I feel like um, the best the best way as 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 things grow, hopefully, um, is to just continue to make art that that I love, um, that means something to me, and that says something that's real. Um, uh, because people will never fault you for trying for trying to do something um, legitimate like that. So I feel like that's probably the best way, the most scalable way, certainly. I really like that a lot. And I know that you're on TikTok. So um, why don't you talk a little bit what you do on TikTok or maybe, you know, since you're not, you're a little new to TikTok. So when, when you're established and so what the goal is with TikTok, you know, because part of the fun part about TikTok is you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. You don't really know what your niche is. You don't really know what you want to do. So when you figure that, what are you planning on trying to like move towards, if that makes sense? That's a great question, dude, because I have no idea. It's like, I'm, I'm uh, at first it was like, uh, it was like everything that I did was just like, oh my gosh, this is so great because the algorithms are just like more and more and more and more and more. Like whatever you do is fine. And then as soon as I posted one stupid goofy video of my cat, like it just went bow, like just oh, garbage can. Yeah. Like because it, it wasn't like the thing anymore. And so, um, it, and then ever since then, it's just like, it's, it's pretty hard to reco recover from that, which is fine because like, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I'm, that's why I never, when I had TikTok, it was really from a viewer perspective, like before all of this, it was really from like, oh, I'm just kind of interested in what's happening. Um, other people are, are more suited for this than I am. So now, dude, I'm just kind of having fun. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a goofy dude. Like, I like being serious all the time is like, I, obviously that's, that's most of what I write about. Um, <laughs> but interacting with me is, is, is rarely too somber of, an, uh, of a thing. So <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like my personality is kind of a silly one. So, um, I think now, now that I feel like the, the numbers are just not what they were, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm chasing, chasing some like, uh, like viral interaction thing is, 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 is kind of out the window. So I'm just, now I'm just like having fun with it and just posting stupid stuff of, of me doing whatever I feel like. So, and then also still trying to use it for like, Hey, you know, for, for, for music promotion. And right. um, I'd love to show more people more like, in depth what i'm doing but that's also a pretty like small subset of, of tiktok so right. and um, do that too you know and the musicians like i've noticed and i guess you would be an example like where tiktok makes people go viral right? it changes people's lives but uh trying to stay in the spotlight is what i see to be difficult and like trying to explain what a musician does like using music the techie terms people it seems to go over the people's head yet it does so well because people are genuinely interested so i like what you're saying they're trying to find where's that middle boundary there you know so do you think you've done that yet you think you've kind of found an intermediate boundary no not at all <laughs> I, I feel like i'm just kind of like like just shooting in the dark here a little bit and uh uh, again, not try. Um, I'm just trying not to take it too seriously. Like again, to use it as a platform. Um, but it, TikTok is it's it is it's such a it's such a it's not an app built for musicians because it's not because it's not based on like long term engagement with people. Rarely, unless you're in like the millions and millions of followers. Right. But it still has to be pretty sensational to keep like people salivating. Okay. So so like so doing some kind of like heartfelt thing. Like you may have one video that just goes boom, yeah. and then after that, like uh, you know, it's like some people are able to keep it going. I I don't know. I, I feel like mine was based on purely on this one one instance of like oh wow, this kind of incredible thing happened that really had nothing to do with me initially. Um, it was just my it happened to be my song, um, and so once that kind of sensationalism of that like went away, then then it's kind of left with like well you know now what? And so I'm trying to figure that out, and it's like yeah uh what like it's hard it's hard to show people it's hard to show people much of anything in the context of 
60 seconds, you know, like anything meaningful at least. And what I'm, what I'm writing about feels really meaningful to me. So like, how do I do that in a way uh, that's engaging to people? Um, and, and then to do that long-term, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, uh, it, it's kind of like, I, I feel like the next thing to, to, to do well is, is probably not going to be TikTok. It's hopefully going to be just, you know, pursuing like playing shows and streaming, you know, stuff like that. So, um, but it all just kind of ebbs and flows and it all connects together too, which is interesting as well. And so you're talking long-term. So now is music your full-time career? Is this what you do for a living? It is. It is. Yes. I, uh, I produce, uh, and mix records for, for other artists, um, in the, in the industry here. So what is that like? So how do you get artists to come to you for recording? Because that's hard. You know, there's so many studios and just having access is hard or finding, you know, a specific genre of music that you like to produce. So how did you, in that case, how did you find the group of artists that you work with? Or maybe it's vice versa. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's for me, I, it, I've been really fortunate because it's been, um, it, my whole career is based on word of mouth. And so um, I started, I started, you know, I, trying to record people when I was in college, um, years ago. And, um, um, and then, uh, worked just like, and made absolutely no money when I graduated. Cause I was just like, I was just taking gigs when I could. And then I was recording some people out of my house and it was, I lived in a really gross house too. So it was just like, just trying to find people and, and building up my repertoire. I was just like making then. So then I like worked part-time and was still like producing people. And then I came across the studio space where I used to live and my friend and I um, uh, had just enough money to pay the rent on that every month, basically, and still like make some money extra. So we did that. I started a studio and, and just was just making records for, you know, just super cheap, just trying to build up my repertoire. And then over time, it got to be enough to where I could, you know, quit my part-time work. And then um, I, back in 20 it's been about six years uh, almost exactly that I've been doing um, music full-time again so um, it, it was it's just really down to like making making a name for yourself in small circles and um, and and growing those circles so that's what's been for me I like that so what goes into producing a record you know on the on the uh, studio and you because know, I, I know a lot of people see artists in studios right they see equipment just like this but I don't think a lot of people know what goes on behind the other the behind the glass on the other end where the mixing board is so would you be able to talk a little bit what what goes in what happens to make a, a record absolutely for me it always starts with a relationship so like somebody comes to me and usually it's like somebody I know knows somebody else and we just right. have met you know which is great because there's always a foot in the door already it's just like oh how do you know this person oh how do you know this person so the conversation starts that way I'm a really informal guy like I don't like to be all business because I feel like when you're making art you don't want to be stiff like I just at least not not me so um and I tend to find that people also like to feel comfortable in an environment that's like vulnerable so um and vulnerable in a way that like I'm presenting this like careful thing, this, this, this little baby bird of a song, like you're, you're bringing it to somebody else. And so I want to handle that with care. So it starts with the relationship and then starting a conversation, like listening to the songs and, and just figuring out like, okay, like what, you know, does there any, anything need to be improved here? Like just square one. Cause I feel like great records are made from, you know, from the bottom up. You can't just, you can't just like, yeah, phone it in. Oh, well, you can, but like, uh, I don't want to, right. <laughs> um, and uh, um, uh, so starting with songs that are great and just like putting that under the microscope and saying, microscope and saying, uh, is this, you know, this is great. Or like, oh, you know, I think we need to make some improvements here. 
Um, and then talking about like arrangements and it's a lot of conversation before the studio even happens sometimes, not all the times. Cause sometimes it's sometimes it's like, Hey, I've got the song that's half finished. Like let's kind of build out the track together. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it works that way as well. Um, uh, but again, it kind of like depends on like the, the style of music. It depends on where people live um, because uh, especially in the past pre COVID um, uh, I would, most of my clientele were from either out of town or, or, more often out of state. And so people would come stay with me and we record as much as we could and then either schedule another time to come back or I would just pass some stuff back and forth. So um, yeah, and then sometimes you're hiring musicians, sometimes you're you're working with budgets, like what, you know, what do we, can we afford like a string section um, or like, hey, you know, like uh, we want to hire a different guitar player or something like that um, or send it to this mastering engineer or something. Um, so it's it's a lot of logistics with that too. Along with it, um, you kind of have to you kind of have to balance the like the the numbers with the actual art of it, which is never fun. No, um, but if but if you can figure out how to do that, then there's a lot of like I love I love the work that I do. So like it's it's fantastic. Um, uh, it takes a lot of work, but oh, yeah. it's great. I like that. So what type of uh, yeah. music do you? I don't know if you have like a genre that you mix because sometimes they're, they're kind of you're specialized, sometimes they're not. So do you have a specialty that you prefer to work with? Not necessarily. Um, I do a lot of like, a lot of like kind of like singer songwriter stuff and a lot of like kind of uh, like pop stuff too. So kind of some like somewhere between there. And, and I've, I've done like, I love doing like big like Americana records too. Um, um, and I just, the great thing about, about our current like setup with like just the way that music acts right now mm-hmm. is there's so much bleed over in between genres too. Uh, which I just love. And I feel like you're, you know, you always kind of land somewhere in a lane, but I feel like there's just so much room for like crossover. And um, especially with, especially with this newest single that I put out, I feel like I really kind of went for it with that too, where there's a lot of ambience, but then there's like, so I hired my friend to, to play some strings on it and she just blew it out of the water. And then there's these big, like, you know, 80 synthesizers and like guitar moments too. So um it, yeah, I, I feel like it's just, it's a little bit of a lot of what I like to do. So, um, um, but yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of love it all. I, I really do. I like that. So is there any type of maybe instrument or any uh, sound that if like a musician, like I want this in my song that you go, oh gosh, and you're like, you're sold out because it's, like it's like a lot of work or you're just, it's complicated to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> so sometimes it kind of depends, like, it, you know, I'm trying to think if, if it's like a particular sound, it's usually, it's usually not like, oh, I want this sound and I, like I roll my eyes. Like it's, it's right. more like, it's more, it's usually like, oh, I want this song to feel better. It's when things get vague and you yeah. don't know why, yeah. like, why isn't this, why isn't this working? Like I thought it would. And, and, and it's, it's rarely good to just like, just pigeonhole it and just like force it to happen because it usually never works it's 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 like it's frustrating but like and sometimes you have to spend another like you know day working on just one stupid idea uh (laughs) to to get it rolling but like it's it's almost always worth it so it's it's rarely it's rarely like oh this one sound is just like so frustrating um what's hard is like it's what's hard is like me if i'm like working with like a limited budget and i'm like oh man this song would really benefit from like an orchestra or something like that and you just can't you just can't do it you know like that's that's when it's hard trying to figure out those kind of like ways to do that but like 
that's why you have friends who do music with you because sometimes it's, sometimes you call in favors just like hey this person doesn't have a lot of cash but you still be willing to do it because it's super cool and because i love doing that if it's cool i want to do it and uh I'll, you know uh other people do the same for each other too so um usually it's it's like yeah, sometimes l- luckily now like i feel like early on i, I worked with anyone uh, and a lot of times it was like oh man these songs suck um <laughs> but i need to make money um and no, and now I, I, I for quick. What do you mean by like, it? Like, what sucks about a song? Because I mean, it could, is it like the song itself, like lyrics or the, the way it sounds? You're like, eh, this just isn't hitting right. Yeah, there's a lot of things that can suck about a song. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the lyrics could just be like really cliche or just like, uh, I don't know, um, just not well thought out. Melodies can just be, could be contrived or, uh, and, and I'm fine with like a great hook. Like, I just like, I'm, if it's accessible that's great like if but if you don't want it to, if you want it to be a little bit more thought-provoking then like just figuring out what you know like does this feel right for what like we're ultimately headed towards exactly um but um i don't know it's like what's that old definition of like pornography like i can't describe it but you know it when you see it you know, it was like the, the, yeah. the <laughs> so like what's a bad song like i can't describe it but you know it when you hear it kind of thing like okay. it's just you know it's the same thing it's just like well like and you can usually name it. It's just like this. This feels like disjointed, or it feels like two different songs mashed together. Like um, uh, it, it takes a little bit of perspective. Um, and then you know, how do you approach that with the artist too? Like how do you say that gently? Um, but luckily, I feel like now, for the most part, I, I get to work with with people who are who are gen- generally pretty amazing. So I like that. So um, you know, I understand you have a big setup. I'm assuming. But what what's your advice, or what little tips and tricks do you have for people who are like, you know, me for example, where it's like more like DIY. You know, maybe you'll reach out to a friend. So, what advice, as you're a professional, do you want to give to people who are doing it all themselves or trying to do it themselves? Oh man, um, uh, if you've got a little bit of money, sink your money in the mix. Sink your money in the mix. Like, uh, and I've seen people. I've seen people like record at these giant studios, these expensive places. Oh, this like this gear is so beautiful. It's great. A, they don't know what the hell they're doing, and B, they mix it themselves, and it's just like yeah. it's recorded on great gear, but still like sounds terrible. Exactly. Because because it's like you get somebody who knows what they're doing there. So like, put your money in your mix. That will be your first and foremost the 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 thing that will take your music from from here to here the quickest. Right. And then so like do that. You know if you're uh you know and then and then after that like I would also say don't get don't get so caught up with the gear. Exactly. Uh, especially if you're hiring out the mix, like work with what you've got and just and just work on it because you're, that's how you're going to get better. Because there's there's all these there's all these kids that I knew like you know growing up who had like all oh, these amazing guitars, but they couldn't play for crap. Yeah. And it's just like it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like like you have a really sexy guitar, but you're a terrible guitar player. Like I know other you know there's great guitar players who can make a terrible guitar sound like just you know a million dollars. So. Um, just get 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 good at working with what you already have mm-hmm. and then and then work your way up you don't have to you don't have to spend you don't have to spend all your money on the on the biggest mic as uh, and there's some really affordable great sounding microphones as i'm sure you're aware of oh, yeah. uh, that you could do a ton on mm-hmm. um and um and and start there and then work your way up there's a great quote and i'm probably misquoting it's like uh, a great musician can go into any room and play any instrument and make it sound great. So that's exactly what you're saying, right? We people, and I think that's a misconception too, is that you have, they see mics like this, they're like, oh, this is big, expensive thing. We need that to do great music. Yet 
you know, there've been plenty of songs I've heard or that I've done where they're recording on like simple mics like that, you know, and if you, you, if you make it work, I've seen people literally tap on front, like furniture, put that as in a drum track. It can be done well. I've done that. And I, I know that you've done that. Let's, you know, in our brief conversations, like, and I love that. Like, and that's the other thing is that like, um, I, I really feel like limitation breeds the best sort of creativity. So mm -hmm. like working within like smaller, whether it's like a, a small room even, or just like, uh, or you have to record quiet because you can't wake your neighbor. Like, what do you, how do you make music in those confines? Like I've got one microphone, but then you think like, you're absolutely right, man. I mean, like Michael Jackson used like a 57 for half of his vocals or an SM7. So like, yeah, so there's great, you can get, you can get great sounds with, with, with inexpensive stuff and, and music, good musical equipment is now more than accessible now more than ever. So like, yeah, doing that, like use, you know, use your desk as your drum kit. Um, uh, there's just so many great things you can do and that you're forced to do based on limitations that like sometimes if you have every tool in the world, it's almost a bit daunting. Like, what do I, is this done? Is this good enough? Like, cause you can always add more and more and more and more and more. That doesn't necessarily make it better. Now, uh, speaking of like doing it yourself, do you have any um, stories of somebody that's like come to your studio with like a soundtrack or like, something they did where you're like, wow, that's a creative way to do it. For example, maybe like playing a pop can in a song or like just an unusual form of doing it themselves while a software using professional help. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, especially now that people have like all these different ways of recording at home so, so easily, like putting, putting like, um, you know, like using like cigarette lighters as like a, as, as, as some sort of like percussion um, or just like tapping on, tapping on like an acoustic guitar. Like, like uh, I've done that a ton. I like, it's such a resonant instrument and it's so, so it's, it's, it's naturally sounds so great um, uh, as, like as as like as a drum so like you just mute the strings and you just smack it in different places until it sounds great so um that kind of stuff is great using you know if, if somebody comes in and they have like a little bit of a demo and the sound is cool like like uh, it, it would be only egotistical of me to say like no let's recreate that if it's already great like just use it like it's already there like uh if if, if i were to if i were to try to replace it for no reason that doesn't help it's, it's just petting an ego not making the song better so and that that has to be choice number one it's like why we build the wheel when we have something that rolls you know and if it ain't broke don't fix it if it ain't broke don't fix it that is a mood in the music industry if it ain't broke don't, don't fix it and if it is broke we're gonna fix it because we don't need to buy a new one unless it's essential as you know I'm yeah. we're gonna fix, we're gonna get that cable to work as long as we can even if it's in two pieces we will duct tape it together and make it work another show Oh, and I've, I've done that. I've done those sort of things tons and tons of time. It's just like, all right, we broke the string on this guitar, but we still got to use it. So <laughs> five strings, we're doing five strings for the show. Now, are you, yeah. is your, I know you were talking earlier. Was your, is your studio in Nashville, right? Yeah. So I moved here about um, a month ago. Um, uh, the, the studio building that my, or the, the building that my studio was in, the owners bought it a couple of years back and it just like, they just stopped taking care of it. It was really frustrating. But then after COVID hit, there was just, you know, there was like a bank in that building. It was this big seven story building and I was on the sixth floor of it. And um, there was a bank in there and they moved out and they just, they just stopped renewing the lease. My wife and I had talked about moving down here before because I was wanting to get out of that situation anyway. And um, yeah, so it just felt like the right time. And we've, we've talked about it for such a long time, but now I've just got like um, the house that we're in. Um, I'm like, it's got a converted garage and that's what I'm working out of right now. So mm -hmm. Um, yeah, just kind of, um, 
it's a it's a it's a new like the old studio i had was just this big 1400 square foot place it was all built out it had like you know floated floors and yeah. really great room separation and isolation and, and this is all one room but i feel like that's kind of the way that people are making records now anyway and if i really need a studio um there's a lot of them down here in nashville too so i, I don't feel like i'll have to go too far to, to get something so speaking of Nashville, that's it's a nationally acclaimed music scene. So how do you think or how has that impacted, you know, your career now that you're in like the hub of musicians who all are trying to make it big? So you have a lot of people that need sound engineers, sound mixers. So has that changed uh, your career a little bit for the good, of course? I'm, it's one month in and, and I feel fortunate because I, I, I already know, you know, quite a few people that have been down here. But yeah, like already just being down here, I've met a ton more people and just make, you know, connections through that and um uh just started down some conversations and some paths with some you know even some a and r people down here and so um it, it and i foresee it like you know impacting impacting me more the, the more i'm down here too again i've only been down here a month and it's already been fantastic so um and i think that was the other part of the move as well like i was in central indiana um just north of indianapolis and um i loved it we loved my wife and i had this this great, you know, community of people that we loved and, and a house that, that we had that was, you know, just full of character we loved. And so um, how many times did I say loved? Anyway, it was great, but not exactly like ideal to like make a music career. In. And I was comfortable, man. It was awesome. Like I, I made a, a, a really good living and, and I was making records that I loved, but I just kind of felt myself like looking 20 years down the road and just seeing like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to get where I think I'd like to go, or at least try to like, you know, like to try and go if I stay in Anderson for the next 20 years. Um, so I like now's the time to kind of move down here. So um, it was, you know, it was a hard decision, um, but, but a good one. And, and it's been really exciting. So I like that. So looking ahead 20 years, um, what do you, where do you see yourself or what do you want to, the John class of 20 years from now to be, be like, <laughs> is a good question. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm just going to keep trying to grow the things that I'm already doing. Uh, as long as I can get better at what I'm doing, um, and continue to make more friends in this industry and, um, and, and treat my friends well and, and, and continue to, to make music that I believe in that I like. And, um, I think, I think I'll be fine. I just feel like there's more opportunity to do that down here. So whether that's producing stuff or just mixing stuff, I'm kind of open to, or just galaxy family, who knows, you know, like, I mean, uh, 10 years is, is a long time to build something, uh, for, you know, so I, I feel like, I feel like who knows what that's going to look like. And, and I plan to, I plan to, 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 to try to do and do a good job of, of all of it. So, um, but it, it is nice knowing that I feel like I'm in a place that has the most like, uh, the, the most number of catalysts for that to grow. So speaking of Galaxy Family, is there a way you'd be able to end out a show playing a couple of your songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to show a couple songs. Um, uh, I'd just uh, have my road set up to, to be able to, to sing and a, a mic. And um, so, yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Hey, which, uh, what, what, which songs are you going to sing for us? I'll do, um, I'll do uh, Pull It From My Teeth and then I'll do the, um, the, the new single here, um, uh, To Be Alone as well. Uh, kind, of a, kind of an abridged version, yeah. I like that. So is this going to be the first time you're performing a new single live for somebody? It is. It is. You are the first one. Hey, we heard it here first on the It's Not So Late show. Jonathan Class, thank you so much for joining us, and I can't wait to hear these songs. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course.
shape not not ordinary a long drop a full lot not ordinary oh sing with me just pretend that I'm not listening wandering down the line of love and lunacy a long way the time breaks From my teeth Sing with me Just pretend that I'm not listening Wandering down the line of love and lunacy The consonant I forget Wasn't a bad love that made me think that I'm not enough It just isn't worth it, it wasn't what you were thinking of So we play the stories back a hundred times or more Of the nights we thought it couldn't get worse than before All that I needed just a little more of your time I don't want us to be Don't want us to be alone But I'm scared of a family Scared of what it might become And I don't want somebody else Feeling just like myself I don't want us to be, don't want us to be
For not being honest Honest about the way that you were A little bit lonely Even more a bit insecure But I can't have someone young feeling about me The way that I feel about you now I don't want us to be Feeling just like myself, feeling not like it.